And we're live! Hello everyone and welcome to episode 83 of Fans of Power. I am Joe Motto and I'm here with my partner in crime, Tyler T-Rex Baker. And T-Rex, how you doing this day? I'm on top of the world. I'm ready to dig into another uh, fun-filled episode of, of keeping this property alive, you know, and uh, amongst the fans with so much more to it than just toys and stuff like that. There, there's so many things that I always talk about. Oh, there's no, there's definitely a lot that we'll discuss. I mean, speaking of toys real quick, in case you guys didn't know, Super, Se uh, Super 7 has extended the uh, pre-orders for the Classics figures till this Monday afternoon. I don't know if they... Of course, if you're catching it, oh, it's Monday afternoon, then it's like you got less, you know, 24 hours to get it together and figure out what you're going to do. Yeah, exactly. So they extended the pre-orders, which is great for those who maybe were still hanging on the fence, and maybe now they got a little funds on the weekend, bam, they can get it. So that's good. But, um... Besides that, there uh, there was uh, something sad earlier this week. Uh, William George passed away, and for obviously everybody out there who you know knows the great box art, the posters, William George did so much for Masters of the Universe, and uh, and what a, what a shame, you know. I mean, I, I mean, I know that like I said, he's touched so many people's lives. I mean, he's inspired so many people. Like I said, when I posted earlier in the week, I just. Let alone, I mean, not only, like I said, not only the box art, but just those posters he did. I think that's what captivated me so much. I always speak so much about that original big, the first, you know, giant wall poster he did. The one that has, you know, warriors on both sides coming in to fight Castle Grayskull, Snake Mountain. And of course, the mysterious Wind Raider pilot. I mean, he's the one that made me start really using my imagination, you know, because I, I was I was so captivated by that mystery character he drew in the wind raider that had no name that i gave him a name but like i said i love that he you know put little homages i mean not homages but put you know his own twists and turns and own unique things in pieces and i mean it's so sad you know but i mean everybody can definitely know that his his art was it was so important it was like just as important as the toys you know what i mean and i'm sure he inspired you just as much but like just to look at the art you got lost in the art you could picture stories and battles going on just from a picture alone you know, and I mean, you know, what are, what are some of your things that you'd like to say, Tyler? His slime pit is burning my brain like a cattle brand. I mean, it was like you took that that box art and just plunged it into my skull and it was forever, you know, burned in there. I mean, that, that's always going to probably be the number one because of the impact that it had on me when I saw it. Because yeah. it's his slime pit itself anywhere. I mean, for, I mean, many, many years later, so that and the the jitsu night stalker two pack holds a special place in my heart and uh yeah i mean all all those posters he did with the current roster of new characters along with the previous characters from the 84 poster the 85 poster that had the horde uh the attorney poster and then you got the pre-attorney poster with blade and clan champ sorod and scarecrow all them running with the dinosaurs right. it's uh and the Kellogg's poster with on the Dragon Walker, and you've got the um, Bashasaurus one. The bat, the one that was the one I was gonna say because it's got two bad and Spike or on it. Yeah. Too. Yes. And, was, and and I love I love his depiction of making Castle Grayskull up this rocky, curvy mountaintop. <laughs> right. Like, it, it just makes like just the idea of getting into this very mysterious and dangerous-looking castle that much more, you know, perilous to yeah. get up to it. Because it's a windy, rocky road that has no guardrails that if you turn your attack track slightly a little bit too far to the left, you're going <laughs> over the edge. And I right. 
it just added such an epic scope to something that we always have seen on flat land, either, well, on flat land, like a flat plane or surrounded by an abyss. Right. Or various other, you know, interpretations. But the, the, I always loved that idea. and Because um, he did that with many of them, didn't he? With yeah. Disposers of, yeah. It was like, like you said, it was dire, you know, to go up to Castle Grayskull. You know, yeah, I would love to see that used a lot more. Like the, the idea of getting to Castle Grayskull, it makes, you know, villainous armies trying to break into it. You know, you can't just walk a straight line. You got to get your army up it and tanks and you know, uh, destructor tanks of Hordak was going to try to invade it. You're going to get destructor tanks up that windy curve without losing a yeah. bunch of troopers. And I mean, it just, it's small details that I'm sure in his mind, he just thought it looked cool. But I mean, to us, you know, as He-Man fans looking at, I mean, there's are small details you can appreciate that, uh, you know, it's, it's, you just it's got to see that kind of edging is thrown in and, I mean, for me, of, of the past illustrators, Earl Norm has, has, has left us, and now William. I mean, Earl McCarthy is, you know, the last of my top three of the of the vintage uh, artists. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are so many other great artists. I mean, guys who worked on the Golden Books and things like that, just to name a few. Bruce Tim, Larry Houston still, I mean, well, I guess I'm thinking along the lines of, I, I think Larry Houston, Bruce Tim is like separate artists because they worked on the comic books as opposed to these guys who were working on, you know, the oil paintings and things like that. So I kind of felt like I, and then Earl was not necessarily, ah, point, point, point being is that, you know, it's, um, I, I've always held William George in such high regard up there with Earl Norman Earl, and, and uh, Earl McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's devastating, but I, I'm, I think he was aware that his art was still beloved, you know, all these years later. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, how is it possible that you can capture the imagination of children's, I mean, uh, children with, with a poster or a box art as much as a toy? I mean, we've said it so much. Everybody, every fan, it seems like a master says the same thing. But you would sit there and you would look, whether you're looking at that box art or one of those big posters, and, and just... You're mesmerized. I can't tell you how many times. Like well, the, the, the horror poster that's up on the screen here. Yeah. Ha having the horror kind of come up through the center as if like these are the new bad boys of Eternia with their fright zone right there. And they're there depicted front, I mean, dead center between the two original factions. I mean, just, just him deciding, okay, we're going to market these new guys, make them, you know, uh, a pivotal point in this in this poster we're going to be doing and sure it's like every year it, it just it makes them look like these are some serious ass kickers even though it's a it's a roster poster it's in there it's a, a battle that's kind of coming coming together but it it, it would be I'm, I'm almost tempted to say the horde poster is probably my favorite but I felt that a bit blasphemous since the pre-attorney ones got Blade and Clamchamp in it. I mean, no, they're so, all – I mean, every one's great, like you said, because every right. year it's like – Everyone yeah. is great, but there's something about that horror poster because I love how he's got Mossman posed with a, with a torch in his hand kind of hunched over as if, like, him, Cyclone, and Thunder Punch, him were coming out of a cave. Sure. And it, it just it just looks I, – I lo I've always loved that pose he gave Mossman, hunched over with a, with a big torch. Yeah. All I, the little catches he would do. I would see He Man, Thunder Punch He Man, Cyclone Mossman going through this cave looking for something, you know? Yeah. But it was interesting. Like you said, the, the touches he would add to all of them, always giving certain characters a weapon they never had. You know, somebody maybe having a sword that would never have a sword or, or doing something that you'd never expect. But 
I think the one, like I said, that always captivated me was his first one, just because that one was the one that I remember had hanging in. We, we had a pool table in our basement and it was hung right by the pool table. And I just would go down in the basement and stare at the poster. It's like, I, I just love staring at it. And then I remember when the Eternia one came out, what an epic, I mean, you talk about ultimate battleground. I mean, just all the stuff that's going on in that poster and, and little details, people like falling. I can't remember if it was Clamchamp or somebody that was hanging like he was getting well, falling into a pit. Clamchamp, he's climbing along the, the crater surrounding it, and you get the horde troopers running up the bridge to it. Yeah. And hey, he's and the one I that gave that us, so cool. yeah, he's the one that gave us, um, uh, Multibot and Modulock to have, yeah. you know, Mega Beast. I mean, he's the one that gave that, you know, in its first, but God, it's just, like I said, it's just, it, it's sad, like I said, very sad news, but I mean, there's no doubt that this art will just live forever. I, like as everybody has said in our hearts, future generations, it's just, it's so amazing. It's so breathtaking that you could stare at a picture and envision battles and not even play with your figures, you know, but look at that. And then sometimes it inspired you to do that with your figures. You know, well, yeah, you can up. look at all the posters, all the box art, and decide this, like, like the Dragon Walker poster. You've got, I think, Beastman, Evelyn, and Skeletor on that poster, I think, coming down from Castle Grayskull. I think is He-Man, because I've, I've got it in my collector's room uh, in the closet. Um and uh, I think it's the Dragon Walker is, is kind of coming up as if it was going to stop them from getting, but it's just cool. Like, that's a battle in itself. Battle Armor Heeman on the Dragon Walker fighting Evil in Beastmen. And Skele I think it's Battle Armor Skeletor on that poster, I think. Um, but the posters alone, like, if you're going to show some kid, you know, you want to know what these what, what, what these characters are all about, what you're supposed to do with your action figures, you show them one of those posters, gets the picture right away. I mean, that, that, that tells you exactly who is who, who needs to be fighting who and who's on whose side, you know, it's. Yeah. I wish that uh, like more of his art, you know, could have possibly appeared in other mediums, you know, like how Earl Norum had his posters, you know, highlighted in the magazines back in the day. I wished that William George's could have had the same treatment. Reason being is, you know, we know his amazing pieces of box art, you know, we, we've known that, but there was a lot of the ones of his big posters that people forgot about, not just the, the four main wall posters that are gigantic, yeah. you know, the Kellogg's ones, for example, is like you said, with the Dragon Walker and the Bashasaurus, there's many fans that never seen those and never even knew about them, and they miss these great pieces, so that's what's great to share, that's why, you know, we're always sharing posts on Facebook, other social media, and I just, man, if there's a collection that deserves to, again, be shown for everybody, I think William George, it'd be great to have a highlight, really great full-color scans of everything, high resolution of every one of his pieces. They really need to be shown to all fans who maybe missed some of his great, great pieces of art. Yeah, the land shark right there, there's another prime example of, um, I mean, just making in any vehicle look like this is the ultimate threat to the universe. And I mean, the, the land shark, of course, aside from its essential visual design that, that makes it look like the ultimate ass kicker for Skeletor's uh, uh, means of transportation. The, the, the box art alone just makes you feel like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is, I gotta have just because it looks so damn cool in the painting, let alone the actual toy itself is, is a fantastic vehicle. So it's, yeah. You, you, you took no, it didn't take any convincing. If you see the commercials 
which all the commercials are great for all the He-Man toys. No matter how silly and campy they were, there was a lot of charm to it and all the cool setups for it. You get to the store and you're looking around for it, and the, and the box art smacks you in the face before the toy actually <laughs> does. So right, right. It, it's 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 like a it's it's the best attention getter, you know. And it it really is a shame that that toy companies don't look to this kind of advertising for kids to, to make them wonder. I'm a you know, Daddy. I, I want the same generic John Cena figure that I got three three of already at home, but he's got an orange T-shirt this time. Oh wait, what the hell is that? Right. It walks over and, and sees like this 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 painting of you know a big purple dinosaur, you know, with a, a guy with a skull face charging in a triceratops with a big muscular blonde hair dude and, the, and with a big sword in his hand. You're like, what is that? Yeah. You know, it's, no, it's, it's absolutely true. You're right. You don't see that. Kids don't go into the stores, and there's no amazing box art that takes them to that new action figure or that toy aisle. It's the same, like you said, generic stuff. There's no art. There's no imagination. And don't shortchange kids. Don't think that, oh, kids wouldn't be into it. No. I mean, my God, when we were five, did we understand, you know, what beautiful art is? You just seen it, and it just it drew you in. Well, that's why we're here. I mean, here to say, look, we're, we're grown men celebrating art from the 80s that we remembered when we were like five or six toys and in the back you know it was just like i mean it shows you it's like no you can't look at his kids as if like they just don't appreciate that kind of thing i mean it made an impact on us that's why you you have he-man on the internet and various websites celebrating not i mean not just his artwork but earls and errols and larry houston and bruce tim and various people who've who you know worked on this property at some point because the box art was just unforgettable. No matter what it is, no matter what Road Ripper, not another yeah. example. I mean, it's it it just did not matter. I think the uh, the Skeletor and uh, Screech two pack, and then the uh, the Skeletor Manny faces and Panthor two pack. Isn't it, you know the uh, one that or three pack? Excuse me. Yeah, the one that really got me was the one that was the Battle Armor Skeletor and Land Shark one because yeah, I, that was yeah. cool. That's what I mean. I wish so many people could see some of these because those are, like you said, are on a lot of those two packs, three packs, special ones that many of us didn't get. You know, because uh, when I when I was growing up, if you already had the figures, you know, and you ask, hey, mom and dad, can I get that? First, they're going to tell you, why do you want this when you already have that figure and that vehicle? Even though you're looking at the cool art, they're like, I'm not going to yeah. get that for you unless you were somebody that was rich and you got everything. So a lot of those got missed and, you know, passed by when you were kids. Now you see them popping up online, and it's just like I said, it's captivating. But again, like we said, when we were five, six years old, we were looking at that art, and it was just it was pulling us in. You love seeing it was like I said, you're seeing your these amazing characters. It's something that entrances you. So what is to satisfy a kid nowadays when they look and it's just red, blue package, yellow, gold package, and there's your figure, and it's nothing. It's like there's not even the designs. What's fascinating about this? I mean, if, if if kids can go to Disneyland and still get excited to see Mickey Mouse, who's been around for decades, you know, why can't kids appreciate that when they go down their the, the toilet aisle of their local Target or Walmart or Toys R Us, and and not be blown away by you know a big muscular guy uh, fighting a big orange fur guy with a with a whip and a two pack, and just seeing these two you know coming at each other, they're gonna I mean rip each other a new ass. <laughs> Man, it's like, you know, I, I'd love to have that for my birthday. I don't know what that is, but that looks really cool, Mom. 
Yeah. You know, it just it's it's an attention getter, and it's just all these companies today. I mean, if they do, it's like a very generic. Um. Uh, it's nothing. Picture character or you know their lame attempt or it's just the logo of whatever property you're dealing with i just don't think we'll ever see it again it's sad but i really don't feel like we will i don't think we'll ever i don't think we will we've gone this long without them actually using that means of advertising for for kids toys i mean if they didn't do it with turtles i mean they're not doing it really with wrestling they're not doing it with dc superheroes or any of the marvel toys for whatever movies coming out or collector's lines it's just a brief logo and a window box, and that's really about it. Not Nothing yeah. to really... Like, I'll tell you something, for an example. Like I said, I'm not saying I'm right with this, because there was many factors that people blame, but, you know, you think about the relaunch of Masters with the 2000X figures. And oh, boy, did that suck okay. Yeah, real quick. Yeah, real quick. First, the figures had the most plain, bland packaging ever. The vehicles were pictures of the vehicles. I mean, it wasn't art. You know, I feel like that was another factor that could have been an impact of maybe not bringing in kids. Not not saying it is, but I'm just saying picture if they could have beautiful art on the boxes of the vehicles and Battle Cat and everything else. You wonder, could it have drawn them kids in? But we had the same red, blue, just computer Photoshop looking junk that eh, it wasn't enticing. You know, well, I so much money into that reboot i'm like in what hiring you know the two guys to be skeletor and he-man at the toys r us you know reveal with mario lopez aka slater i mean just where, where did the money go or to, to make sure to ensure you had dozens and dozens of he-man skeletor you know variants that nobody was asking for and was cluttering and not just smash blade and spin blade i'm talking about all the variants from mega punch he-man and mecha blade skeletor and you know, it just, you name it, it was just like, oh, dear. Or, or was it a power glove, man at arms? And just some of the dumbest stuff. And, of course, I bought everything because I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to get to let this opportunity of He-Man getting away. We're not getting one loose and one in the package. I got to do it. Even though the package is very lackluster. And I don't want to admit it to myself. Yeah. It's even Castle Grayskull, when they released that, it's just pictures of the figures that look like. Horrible. Just horrible. Yeah. It's really... hor horrible. It's just like that. Yeah. You guys really, really. Pulled out all the stops and, and gave it your best shot with your your lame packaging, lack of marketing, you know, and and emphasis on on variants. Yeah. So, but it just it, packaging. I think it. it <coughs> we, we, the story's been done to death. We've said it a thousand times on this podcast. We're, we'll 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 save that devoted story for for another episode. But having more. Uh, explosive artwork on your packaging for not just the figures, but of course for your, your vehicles and your various play sets. I mean, you look at that slime pit play set from the 2000X toy line, and then you look at the one of Hordak dumping it on Beastman and like with these Roman, uh, kind of like Roman, uh, like fallen Roman temples and pillars and stuff in the background. You're like, what, what is all that? What's all that in the background? You know, all this is like this barren wasteland of somewhere wherever Hordak is at, whether it's on Etheria or somewhere on Eternity. You don't know what, but all these questions come up just from looking That's at, at that epic packaging of Beastman meeting an unfortunate fate. And then, you no, know, you get the little generic uh, skeleton monster popping out of the slime pit and a really poor attempt to giving you Skeletor's throne. On this packaging, like this lame picture of like part of He-Man with his sword turned, looking up. It just yeah, they didn't get it. 
Yeah, they just did yes. it for this. You look one. at this 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 beautiful slime pit uh, artwork here. I mean, it's and you know what's also cool about that? It's cool to see. <laughs> getting too worked up here. I'm, I'm getting no. dry from talking so much. No, here. that's all right. But what's cool about this and what I always loved also was seeing that an evil warrior is getting slimed. You know, I yeah. mean, yes, we know that Hordak, you know, is a bad guy and Skeletor is bad. But you're used to thinking, oh, the Horde, they're going to be sliming one of the good guys. But to see Beast Man, I was like, man, this is, this is so freaking cool. So, you know, I mean, it's it was a sad day because, again, William George, I think, is just, he's as much a factor, I think, of the selling and the the you know of the figures and the height and you know popularity of masters as anybody else as the figures themselves and everything because he's what made you and drew you in to buying so many of these pieces so we just wanted to honor him you know in the beginning of this episode yeah we just we wanted to honor him because what a great man and i mean he, he will be missed but he's never going to be forgotten I mean, we, we, there's, there's got to be like a hall of fame of people who have contributed to He-Man from writers of filmation, artists of filmation, you know, writers of the mini comics and artists of the mini, and so on and so forth. William George has got his own statue of himself, you know, I mean, looking as proud as ever with yes. the slime pit box art right next to it. That's what I'm going to say. He's in the hall of fame, a nice bronze statue, Mr. William George, with the slime pit box art with a big smile on his face. He's yeah. my favorite artist of all time. I mean, his, his like I said, his art impacted me more than anybody else. And So we, we just, we, we salute Mr. William George and to all of his family who, who've lost a very wonderful man, a very talented man, where our, our thoughts and prayers go out to all yes. of his, his loved ones and, and, and closest friends and neighbors, people who just knew him to be a good guy outside of the fact that he was one of the most kick-ass artists that you know, an action figure line could ever know, you know, or just, or just from a visual standpoint, look at his art. You don't even have to like him, man. You're like, you can't tell me that his artwork did not kick your ass when you look at it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so we, again, you know, we'll, 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 well, I'm sure we'll all meet at some point in the Hall of Fame uh, one day, William George, and thank you in person, <laughs> yeah. you know, in some form or another there, bud. So definitely thank you. Well, for, thank you. Yeah, thank you for all the great memories. So, um, uh, all right. Well, we'll um, we'll move on to uh, another topic. Um, I'll let you go with it. We're going to talk about a vintage storybook that also was a record book, also had a cassette, also had a VHS version, and that's Caverns of Fear. So, I mean, I always love asking you first because I'm figuring every time I ask Tyler, Tyler, what was your first experience with Caverns of Fear? And it's usually, well, Joe, I had the VHS tape, and that's how I seen it. But um, I don't know. Did you have the book, the VHS tape? How did you experience Caverns of Fear for the first time? Because everything's usually a tape. I a bit of sarcasm uh, behind the mask there, Joe, when you, you introduced <laughs> me as like the Mr. Oversold of VHS. I guess, I guess you're assuming that, you know. I never left. I was like Jim Carrey in the cable guy. I never got off my ass and was not only not never watching or doing anything else other than watching whatever VHS tape was in my VCRs. I, I, I figured you couldn't read, so that's why you were just going right to the VHS. Tape. I could read, but still had picture books. <laughs> so what was your first so experience? Anyway, Tell me. The Caverns of Fear uh, Golden Book, not the record book, um, was uh, my, the second of the Golden Books that I got at my local food line, I believe. <laughs> back when food line used to uh well i guess they still do they have a section of like children's books and magazines and coloring books and things like that and, and that's where i found the caverns of fear and, and, book and dirt's holding it up right there you can see caverns yes of fear. yes there's a a copy of this and 
in case you're one of those people who is <laughs> new to He-Man or collects just the toys and doesn't have a lot of this or a lot of that, this this story is available not just – it's on YouTube in various forms. You've got the record book, which I'm sure Joe is going to be plugging the hell out of. Um, I, I the VHS uh, audio or visual – the VHS format is also on YouTube from, and it's, I timed it. The segment for Caverns of Fear on the VHS is three minutes and five seconds. It goes through the entire book. So if there's no reason that if you've never seen Caverns of Fear, read it, watched it on the Golden Book VHS tape, that if you don't have the book, you can go on YouTube three minutes and five seconds of your time to watch the Caverns of Fear segment before you move on to the other three golden book stories that are on that tape. So, and also you could even do the record one where you hear the chime. I just said that. I know. Shut. Well, you never did answer though. What was your first experience with it? The actual. I just told you. I it was the second golden book I got when I was a kid. But you didn't say that was the first. I know, but you still didn't say if you got it before the VHS tape. I could have assumed you got the VHS. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. No, no. Think about it. I think. Because I remember getting the VHS tape, I think, sometime after my fourth birthday uh, from my grandparents. They also gave me Stinkor at the same time. And okay. um, and I, I want to say, I think I got the Caverns of Fear book probably before because I thought it was really cool to see. Okay. I, and that's something I have to rethink because I ended up getting all three of the Sword of Skeletor, Thief of Castle Grayskull, and Caverns of Fear, which to me is a trilogy of stories because it's on the Golden Book VHS tape and they kind of play in sequence. Um, well, that'd, be, I, a, that'd I, be a first for Tyler to have a damn book before the VHS tape, but whatever. Well, it, that that was a time period where that was around my, my first year of becoming a massive He-Man fan when I was about three or four years old. So the renting the tapes, getting the toys in my local hills, um, finding the books at, at Rose's department store or at Food Line or Kmart, well, hey, get in the, get let me enlighten, VHS. real quick, real quick, just let me enlighten the fans in case everybody wonders why I keep hassling and giving Tyler a hard time. It's usually because when we'll talk about a filmation episode of a cartoon, he's like, my first experience was a VHS tape. Every time it's the VHS, VHS, it was never from TV. So that's why I hassle him about this book. I figured, well, he probably didn't read the book first. He probably had the VHS first. But I'll go along with saying maybe you got these books first. Yeah, can can anyone appreciate Joe's attempt at humor here? He's he's tr he's trying to be sarcastic and a, and a little bit of a douche here by mocking me for my initial experiences. But does anyone ever wonder like what Joe is like when he's not off the show? Like, is he going to like his local grocery store with the mask on, digging through produce, checking freshness with the with the modulot mask on, and then one of his neighbors come by, "Hey, Miss Newberry, I'll see you at community theater practice." Shut up. He's got the mask on and everything. He goes to his local Burger King. He's like, I'll let number four. And he takes the food and he's sitting there doing this. And he can't put it in, in his mouth because he's wearing the mask. And he grabs his mask and starts shaking his head. And then somehow coffee's sitting in the same booth as he is. comes up and just grabs a hold of the food. And then he really lowers his head because, you know, he just he cannot do anything simple because he's relying on this this man man in the red mask, man in the iron mask. He's, he's He just makes you wonder, like, does Doug – not Doug – does Joe like go go like to his local bank and and, and flirt with a, a a teller, you know, with the mask on? Does does he wink his cardboard eyes at this young lady? And is she seduced? Like, 
Kind of like that episode of Seinfeld where Elaine is falling for the uh, VA, uh, the radio rental store guy. She doesn't know what he looks like, but she's falling in love with his voice. Thanks. You know, and that's what Joe is doing. It's probably to anybody around him. So you just kind of just kind of have to wonder what does how does Joe, I mean, get around the normal things of life? It's true. When he when he when you know does he does he you know if he can't get his order right is McDonald's like do I have to go back there and customize my order here, people? <laughs> with an angry you mask. know who I am, right? You're like, sir, no, we don't. You're wearing a mask. Well, that's when I go back and I bring this mask, but it's with an angry face instead. That's what I'm upset. Well, we'll get on. Oh, no, Joe has customized emotions, so he, t he makes he adds extra eyebrows on the mask to enhance anger, lowers them to make sadness, you know, or, or add like a frown to the mask. There, he's customizing his custom at all times. He's got them in his pockets. Shut up! Now, he's like a gunslinger. He's just ready. Would you just get to your caverns of fear? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, caverns of fear. You lunatic! Go on. The mess of the bull, young man. You get the horns. There you go. Anyway, um, I I I love Caverns of Fear. Um, I mean, the VHS tape made me love it even more as as a kid. Like I, I thought it was a great story. I thought the artwork looked really cool. <coughs> story in a nutshell is he and Battlecat are kind of pretty much on patrol and stop at Castle Grayskull, and there's a well outside Grayskull, and He-Man hears a noise and decides to investigate and goes down in the well and gets attacked by Merman. He smacks, uh, you know, takes out Merman and then hears uh, further down in the caverns that Tila and Skeletor battling. And you come to find out that Skeletor heard about this passage to get to Grayskull underneath the caverns or inside the caverns underneath Grayskull. Kind of like Subternia, kind of before we had Subternia. Right, right. But and, and it's, 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 it's a big battle because the Beast Fang joins in to fight He-Man. Trapjaw comes in to uh, capture Tila. Man-at-Arms shows up. Stratus shows up. And... Uh, and they, you know, He-Man decides once they've defeated Skeletor, we got to seal the cave up and to keep anybody from coming back down this way to try and get into Grayskull. That's the story in a nutshell. But the interior artwork is is really, really good. There's there's a couple of, you know, like like Joe has said before, in the book, Man Arms has no mustache, looks just like the toy. You get a, you watch the VHS. They went to the trouble of giving him a mustache. Yeah, Skeletor and He-Man or the voice actors, you know, try to go for what you see in the filmation cartoon. I mean, they <coughs> excuse me, man, so dry throat here. Um, it's but the side. I'm getting too far away. The Caverns Affair. It's it's a simple story, but it's got all the basic you know characters. It's a good little story. I mean, it's what you want to see. You want to see He-Man fighting Skeletor and and, and Tila's in a sword fight with Skeletor in it, and you know all the Basic characters are featured, battle cats in it, and and I always like the idea of this well. And I, I wanted to use this in one of my stories that uh, Carson said he wanted to work with us and do many comics and stuff like that. And I always wanted to go back to this idea of this well that led you down into the caverns of uh, below Grayskull and and explore and, and do more with that. So I'm I love I loved it to. To utilize this idea from this golden book because I just thought it was such a cool idea. And when you, when when Heman goes down, you see like these pterodactyls flying around in there. That made it seem massive in there. The yeah, yeah. That... It felt like it was another world, not just a little you know spot. It felt like a, a world underneath there. Especially like I said, when you're seeing pterodactyls flying around. But you know, you're right. Um, 
you know, there's, you know, I always found it interesting. Like I said, there's just the book. Then there's the audio book with the, I mean, cassette. Then there was the one that had the record. Yeah. But I feel like I, I thought I got the record book before watching the filmation cartoon. It seemed like they were very close. Like they came out both in 83 and I don't know, you know, the chicken or the egg. I don't know which one was out first. I know that of course, Caverns of Fear was obviously written with the ideas before filmation, but you know, yes, they both came well, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, uh, the Golden Book VHS tape, sort of, I think it came out in like 84, I think. Yeah, so they added, you know, like I said, the, the man at arms mustache, the different way the voices are, because if you've ever listened to the one that was on the record, those voices are completely different. And so I remember when I first heard Skeletor, it was kind of this weird kind of like uh, almost tingy robotical. It was weird. It wasn't even close to what you envision as knowing Skeletor from the Filmation cartoon. It was quite different. But I remember Merman, he freaked me out as a kid when I would listen to that and, you know, read the book also, was this these, these weird sounds Merman made. And he looked menacing in that book also. But I loved it. Like, I just loved looking at that and listening to it. It just felt like it was his own cartoon. But I just like to listen to it over and over. It, it was just those things that just suck you in when you're when you're a kid, and you see that Battle Cat doesn't talk in there either. No. Battle Cat, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't speak. So you know, he obviously like you know everybody heard what Tyler said earlier. You know, but quickly like Battle Cat gets thirsty. You know, he man's like, oh, what are we doing? Coming to stop? You know, gotta wish we had a machine like a Wind Raider or something. But then he sees the value at the end of Battle Cat because Man at Arms. Let's he man know. Wait, the hell did you get that in the story? Get what in the story? Yeah, that 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 he man's like. I wish we had a wind raider. He said that. He said that to Battle Cat towards the beginning. It's something about a machine or a wind raider. He said something about a machine. Sure. Yes, he said something about you know that he felt like. You know, if I had a machine, you wouldn't have to worry about it. In those kind of lines, that's why he was picking on Battle Cat, because Battle Cat had to get thirsty. And, you know, if it was a machine, you wouldn't have to worry about that. But at the end Because uh, uh, I'm going, because well, I, I, my book is packed up, and I, and I, I just... Well, look, here, if I tell you the end, you might remember by the end. At the end of it, when they're all, you know, like celebrating and coming yeah. to the top... They say, you know, like Battle Cat was sitting there waiting the whole time, what a trusty steed or something. And I think it was Man at Arms said something like, well, did you know it was Battle Cat that actually got all of us in the forest and let us know of danger and brought us here? And then he was like, well, I guess, you know, an animal is better than a machine at times or something. He made some kind of statement like that. So it's like what was said at the beginning came back at the end to say what, you know, the good Battle Cat, could, you know, is used for, even though He-Man was just picking on Battle Cat. Well, because the, the VHS uh, is completely different from that. Oh, really? Dirt, what were you saying? Uh, yeah, I've got the book right here, and it's, um, what's this, cried He-Man, why are you stopping? He-Man spied a well, then, not far away from the castle wall. Battle Cat wants a drink, does he, says He-Man? Just like any spoiled kitten, perhaps I will trade you for a Wind Raider. <laughs> okay, and then at the end, what was the thing that was right towards the end, Dirt? Because I know there was a reference of, you know, the good of, you know, Battle Cat was there, obviously, for a reason. Yeah, Battle Cat was waiting at the top of the well. You are a faithful animal, said He-Man, waiting patiently all this time. A clever animal, you mean, said Man-at-Arms. It was he who found us in the forest. When we saw him alone, we were afraid for you, and he led us here. So, said He-Man, a live cat is a better steed than a machine. 
He may need water, but there's much more he can do that a machine cannot. There you go. And see, morals to the stories, even in the book. I say credit to that because I, I've always remembered more what the VHS tape said um, than, than the, uh, I mean, the, my, I've had I've had all my golden books put in frames and, and put them on display. So I, I, I've, I've, I, I remember the interior verbatim. Uh, but the the uh, so I, I apologize to Joe for 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 questioning because when he when he did his whole comment you know I wish we had a Rin Raider I immediately flashed back to him giving me crap over the quest for He Man uh, quest for the sword episode where he comes up with this whole delusions <laughs> of grandeur saying why is He Man wasting his time pulling o- pulling the other side of the land with his power sword when he could just get in a Wind Raider and right. hop over I thought that's what you were doing here. Oh, I got you. See, because here's the honest thing with me. I didn't have, uh, I, I think I maybe seen one, and I don't know the order they were, but I know those VHS tapes, because, like, you know, besides adding extra little things and details, I always felt like they combined a lot of the stories to make one, and maybe they changed up. That, that, that's, that's why I've always considered it a trilogy. Like, the, those those three and The Thief, <clears throat> I mean, the uh, the trap, excuse me, came out at the same time. So I and then when I got the VHS tape, they played Caverns, Thief of Grey Skull, and the Sword of Skeletor back to back. Kind of mixed it all together. <laughs> and it really made it feel like it was one big story broken because it's called like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. And then you and then it ends with time trouble on the VHS tape, which is a story that's completely, you know, so in the VHS, he never mentioned anything about that about the Wind Raider and him not. No, no, no. It, it's 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 in the in the VHS tape. You're given this extra animation of He-Man riding Battle Cat in like a black silhouette against like the dawn. Mm-hmm. And you, like you hear Battle Cat breathing heavy, and and they it shows the shot of the well. It's like I've been working you hard, haven't I? And you hear Battle Cat roar, and he goes, "What's that? Sounds you know sounds coming from the well. I must check Isn't this out." Cool? I like no, that. no mention of. You know, machine, or and even when the story ends, and you see the group shot of Man at Arms with his arm over Battle Cat, which looks a little bit more like filmation than that shot. All right. And um, <clears throat> he says that when we saw Battle Cat was alone, we knew you must have been in trouble. Like it's completely, you know, I like you like, because I I've not I never had a reason to because I had the story memorized, but the exact dialogue from Caverns of Fear, I just never never felt the reason to have it memorized. No, that's so cool. That's what I love. Makes the VHS tape completely different. That's what I like. I mean, I love that what just happened here because you learned something you didn't know about, and I learned something because I haven't – I don't even know if I remember seeing that. And if I have, it's been so long, so I didn't know the VHS was different. So it's cool. We both kind of, in a way, taught it, you know, each other something, and everybody out there that's listening that – See, people have, want to sit there claiming, you know, oh, this guy's offensive power, the thing that knew everything about He-Man. It's like, no. first off, we never claim that we know everything. And the whole, oh, and the whole point of the show is to learn, learn about Mass of the Universe from from either our perspectives, from each other here, or from people listening. If they, you know, we, we we can goof stuff, and this is live. So if we screw up, we're not going to go back and have it edited so we sound like we know what the hell we're talking about. Exactly. Uh, I don't. I mean, yeah, I know I'm not perfect. I'm always messing up. And what's great about this for us, you, I mean, both you and I and everybody that's listening is now you can go to YouTube and you can watch the VHS version so you can see that. And then also you could do the audio version from the record player one and then listen to that and watch how they say. And when you hear the sound, flip the page. And there's two stories. So now when this is over, I look forward to watching your version. Yeah, the- I, I would love to hear what people have to say about the VHS tape because, I mean, it's <clears throat> the voice acting is, is, is 
quite good. And not just for nostalgia reasons. Like, to watch it now, you don't roll your eyes like, that's eh, a bit silly. Like, I mean, they the, the guy who does Merman's voice goes for an Alan Oppenheimer Merman-style voice with the bubbly voice and echoes and Beastman as a, a gravelly, you know, voice. So you never – did you ever hear the record version? Did you ever hear that version before? Because you'll be shocked. I mean <laughs> – nope. Well, give no, no, and I had the record book, but I had no record player to play. Well, it. now so you have no, something I, to do. Never. Like I said, I'll do mine, and now you have yours to watch on YouTube, and you can hear the record version. So it'll be cool. You have yours, and I'll have mine, and everybody out there, they'll have theirs too. Yeah, we, I would love to hear other people too. You know, and I will, I will do my part. Joe will do his yes. part. We love to hear what people have to say about the. Uh, <clears throat> not that I mean they don't change the stories drastically, like, like you're coming to find out that you know. You know, when Battlecat ran in the forest, he stopped and knocked up another female green tiger before he found Man at Arms or something like that. You know, there's, there's no drastic changes here. It's just sim- simple pieces that are missing here that that you know add a little bit more here, yeah, a little bit less there. And it's just it's just interesting to hear Joe tell me that. So. Yeah, I love. That. I mean, I love this kind of stuff. Like I said, <laughs> plus the cover of the, uh, the the cover, which is not done by Earl Norm, and Joe clarified that to me. That is Gino Diacilli. Years ago, I mean, a while yeah, back. Yeah, that who is it? It's Gino Diacilli. That's the one who did that cover, and yeah. it's beautiful. You can always tell the artist just a little different, but that's what's so fun. Like I said, we learn from each other with. You know, doing these episodes, you never know what's going to come up. But and it it, it did because it, it looks a lot like Earl Norm's work, but it's not. And uh, it's a very epic cover with Trap Jaw holding Tila captive, and you got He Man Skelter clashing, and the Man Arms standing in the back with his mace ready. And it just looks really, really cool. I mean, the book covers for these books alone would make great, fantastic. You hear that, Super Seven? Why don't you get the rights to the Golden Books? <laughs> In, in a larger some prints of, you know, the Thief of Castle Grayskull, where Stratus is trying to catch him as he's falling to the ground from the Tower of Grayskull. Yeah. Or or uh, the Sword of Skeletor, where Man of Arms got, like, got, you know, smacking some, like, creature in the face, and they're getting ready to duke it out with Skeletor and, and, and Beastman, and Hemus got his battle axe in his hand. And... Those would be some nice big old posters. <clears throat> it would be so cool to have large prints of oh, yeah. those made up. I, I just... Those would you know, be nice. So you got to get on that, along with, you know, a Webster Cobra Con and Merman Filmation style. Everything. <laughs> and a dialogue, damn it. <laughs> there you go. So, well, that's Captain Zephyr. And now we're going to, the last part of the show, we're going to do a commentary, and it's going to be for the MYP episode, Roboto's Gambit. So I know that you've been probably chomping on the bit as well as I have, and this is our first MYP commentary, isn't it? It is, and uh, just to show how, how how far we can go, permitting Doug can go go the distance with us here. We we have plans to you know do commentaries for all the episodes. I mean, even the ones I'm not really looking forward to ever watching again. But for the sake of the show, if people want us to do a commentary for certain episodes or whatever, you know, we will do it. But it's it's fun that you know we're gonna you know we want to do a lot of MYP episodes. We want to do more Shira episodes. We're gonna cover some of the new adventures episodes and uh, yes, you know just just show appreciation for all aspects of He Man. You know exactly. So. so the fans that who maybe are watching live with us right now, if you'd want, you can always dual screen and have one with what you're watching with us now, and the other one can be for Roboto's Gambit, which you can find on YouTube. Or if yeah. you have if you have it for you know DVD, you can do it also. And for those who are listening, you know later on an audio version, you can do the same. But what we do is we'll hit play 
from right where it clicks on, he says, I am Adam, Prince of Eternia. And that's when we go right along with doing it. So I'll, Tyler's usually the one that always do the three, two, one. So whenever you're ready, Tyler, you go ahead and we'll kick it off. All right. I'm going to count down from three. I got my controller here. Three, two, one, play. And there's Prince Adam, voiced by Cam Clark. And, uh, <clears throat> and of course, I, I saw this um, when this was airing on on Saturday on on uh, Saturday nights. Um, at least this particular episode was aired on a Saturday. I believe it was. I want to say it was almost towards the end of the because I remember Cartoon Network broke up the first season into two parts. Like I think they realized that it was doing well, so they wanted to play the first half mm -hmm. and and uh, and then I, I think right there. Yep. That, that's when I lost my mind. Roboto's when that popped yep. up on the screen because you know I didn't know. I mean I didn't know if there was a spoiler spot where people knew what was going to be coming up each week. I didn't know because I hate spoilers. When I seen Roboto's Gambit, well, I you, you were telling me you did not know like when when because I, I remember back in the day they had released like the entire order of like what episode no. you didn't know who was going to be in it, but the title alone said Roboto's Gambit, and I remember when I saw. This, I, I mean, of course, I, I love lost my voice. mind. But I remember when I seen that, but like, this is Roboto. Yeah. Like, what the hell? I was ready to flip. Over. Same thing with me because first I heard Roboto's Gambit, so I was super excited. I was like, yes, we're gonna see what this MYP Robotos looks like. And then when they showed this chest thing and they showed him, I was like, huh? I mean, I was so lost. I was like, we, we, why is Roboto so weird and skinny? And and I, I was like, okay, he was created to be a chess partner for you know the robot version for Manny <clears throat> but. I mean, I was so disappointed looking at him because I thought this was going to be him. Yeah, for the I, I did too. Yeah. You know, looking back in hindsight, I mean, I like his original design too. And and this is the only episode that Roboto's voice sounds perfect. What, whatever they do to hit the, the voice actor who does his voice after this episode, they alter it. It's a little bit more upbeat and and happy and, and, and just like overly inquisitive. I'm like, I don't like that. The Roboto yeah. in this, I, I don't know the, the right word to describe how they, they his voice characterization can be described, but it's perfect. I it I was is. so bothered when he showed up in other episodes, and I'm like, his voice is different. Yeah. Like, it's and not there, the yeah, same you, actor, but, but it's yeah, different. Well, as you've seen, he, just, he, he beat poor Manny Faces, so Manny Faces left. But yeah, he was created, as you've seen, as a chess partner to play against Manny Faces. And then now, here we go. We're getting into Snake Mountain, and... Triclops is so proud to show the new weapon to Skeletor what he's going to do. And they're like, oh, this thing again? And then I remember seeing, I was like, this thing, what is this little mini version? What is this? I thought it was like, why is an action figure, you know, going to be this great new weapon? And as you can see, Skeletor is not impressed. Bam, there went that thing. But Triclops has something up his sleeve. You find out something cool that Triclops did with this bone little warrior, skeleton warrior, mutant born warrior, whatever you want to call him. He pops right back, and now he's two. So when you kill him, strike one down, and two come up. Which it was um, when me and my brother saw this air for the first time. We were, we were thrilled to death to see Triclops venture off on his own and pretty much be the villain of this episode. Because um, he, he was, you know, even though I'm not a fan of him being the the scientist, the right, you know, the the tech technical. Uh, mind for Skeletron. I'm like, no, I, I don't like that that idea. I, I figure Trapjaw, you know, since he is a mechanical, 
you know, is a weapon. He has various weapons. You kind of feel like he's the kind of guy that would be working on things like this, not Triclops. Triclops is more like a surveillance guy, plus the most kick-ass swordsman you've ever seen. Yeah, and either way, you see Sorry, right here. Aiden, yeah, and as you just seen, Skeletor is not impressed because obviously these little skeleton warriors didn't live up to what Triclops was trying because they started turning on each other. But Triclops ain't done. Triclops is like, I'm still, he's going to fix it. He's going to figure a way of making these bone warriors work. And here, this is, you know, this is what I got, I liked here. I love seeing when Teela and Adam were engaging in their, you know, like, you know, sword battle just to train. And you see that, check Adam out. He bested Tila. You know, it's like they always try to always make it seem like Adam is worthless. Adam can't do anything, but he's got his skills. He showed it there. He's proud. I like that. I like seeing him best Tila in battle. And then we, we see Tila be a royal rhymes with punt, you know, like like she always is in every episode. Yep, yep. Uh, here, comes uh, here, the here we have my favorite character of, of my favorite heroic warrior, Cyclone, showing up here. And, uh, Given a lot of screen time after his uh, first appearance in Mystery of Amwat Gar. I mean, he's given a lot of... Uh, Michael Reeves, who wrote this episode, he worked on uh, the original show and, um, and New Adventures. I mean, he uh, really takes the task of like, okay, we're, we're going to introduce Roboto. We're going to push Cyclone more, and we're going to be Triclops. Yep. And you, you see know, him? Disappears like just gone in the wind. You know he's that, definitely like like the the wise, the wise warrior in this. No way you know who he reminded me of for that moment? He came in with his nice advice and then left. Was I know you never watched Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon, but the Dungeon Master used to come in with advice and riddles, and then they would look away and look back, and he was gone. And that was his Dungeon Master moment. But <laughs> but now, as you see, now they get to experience all these little bone warriors too. And well, of course. The, pretty much best in Adam, but until he kicks him back into all those guys, which leads to something, you know, kind of interesting later we'll get to, because as you see, Cyclone, when he came out, he is, he's very wise. He's always trying to give advice, but later on, some of his wisdom, I questioned at one point, but. Well, oh, of course you would. Why wouldn't you? You're <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like, you, got, you got anything <laughs> that's good. You got to sit there and find some reason. To, oh, I'm to gonna pick a card and nitpick, and it'd be one of you know that you know the comic book uh, uh, owner or comic book shop owner from The Simpsons. You know that that's what you're gonna that's what you're turning into right now. No, not really. Just sometimes you know you always have your moment where you say something. Not that I'm questioning the episode itself because it is a great episode. Just uh, some things like oh okay, but there you go. You see Cyclone taking care of business. So while he's gonna take care of business, uh, the others are gonna have to go back to the palace and warn everybody of stuff. And I always like the design of these guys with all their little weapons and things. You know, I, we didn't really get much besides the one that came with that slime pit, as you were talking about earlier. We got the one little mutant bone warrior, but I wish he came with, you know, some shields, and axe, uh, swords or something. And it would have been cool just to have them as more warriors. I wish we'd have gotten some, uh, uh, like, blast blast attachments for Cyclone to hold his fists out and to make it look like he's, you know, his, his, his fists are spinning so fast like little Cyclones, you know? Yeah, because you've seen him doing a lot there. Yeah. What? You're right, because you've seen him, like, how in here, beyond just spinning, I mean, his fists are spinning, doing all the stuff, and that would have been... And launching the discs off his wrists and everything. So he's... he's His uh, upgrade, I mean, if people um, say that, you know, they felt like 2000X was the better version, I mean, Cyclone is, is a logical... Yep. Um, bullet point is the point to why you would think that NYP, you know, and, and of course, Cyclone was given a hell of an upgrade compared to the formation, you know, 
which was toy based definitely, but portrayed poorly. Yep. Oh, it's on now. Here we go. We just got the. We get yeah. I, I like I like season two's transformation sequence. I think even better than this one, where you see he, where Adam kind of Hulk up. And, and I like that. I, I, I hate that the snake, the snake armor one done nothing for me though. I got no I like the snake armor because I thought the snake armor uh, looked cool. It's the only variant just, of the of yeah. the I thought looked really really cool. Uh, and Joey's gonna yak over here. I hated that snake armor transformation. But all right, so now Tila, she's about ready to say what's going on. But no, He Man. I, I like it. I was like, well, dang, He Man, you kind of came in and told Tila, no, we're going to do it like this. It's like, you ain't captain of the guards. You don't say what's going on, but whatever. He, so he does give his advice. He I says, guess that's probably why she stays pissed all the time that He Man came in there and you know, undermined her in front of all of her troops, made yeah. her look like a fool. Exactly. So oh, and things to keep PMSing throughout the season and in the end of season two. And, you know, yep, it's yep. like that. There's, they constantly keep her. He-Man fault. He-Man's keeping tamper. her down. Yep, He-Man kept her down, got her upset. Now you see this. Look, we got, what, about a thousand of these uh, Bone Warriors, and it's all because of the wise genius Cyclone. It's like, okay, Cyclone, haven't you realized every time you hit these things, they keep multiplying? Here's go again with his logic. You know, so just, just, you can't just enjoy the fact that we – if we were doing it Joe's way, we wouldn't have an episode. There would be no turmoil. There would be no well, problem to solve. Why does it take them so long to figure, okay, let's hold them at bay in a hole or do this? It's like, no, first let's make a million of these little bastards until we realize now let's try to hold them back. So I was like, yeah, the wise cyclone doing the dumbest thing in the world, but I wouldn't say a thing. So so here we go. Let's just get, okay, we make a thousand, get two thousand of them. So it's like they keep going and going. And He-Man sure ain't helping after a while. I figured, okay, He-Man, just crack the earth there, open it up so they get swallowed in instead of making more and more. But I don't know anything. Yeah, that's right. You don't know anything, Joe. <laughs> yep. And here comes Tila to be mean. Oh, yes. Here's one of Tila's most shining PMS moments here. I think I'm poor Roboto who wants to try to help because he knows strategy. He knows things. And it's like, no, you're not a warrior. So yeah, that's a way to kick him down. But it, I guess if anything, she inspired him to become a warrior. So I guess she did something good by putting poor Roboto down. Roboto. No, he's going to put her, her in her place and she's going to shut the hell up. You know, it's, I it's really just like, okay, well, I, I've been undermined in front of my, all of my troops, and I, now I'm, I'm just like, okay, well, here's someone I can put in their place, this chess robot. I really thought that poor Roboto was going to look like that the whole show. God, did it scare me. So when in a few... Well, when, when, when that scene happened, you kind of felt like, okay, what's going to happen? But when you see him sitting there, like here, to me, I consider this like a RoboCop moment when he's, I like when he's assembling himself together. I think of RoboCop. Yeah, you knew something was going on. I was like, oh, oh shit. Man, nah. I love the sound effects like this. And when he, wait, is this is going on? And. And he pops that. Here we go. Slam the helmet on. Stands up. It's like it's on now. Yeah, I love effect. Everything. And then you'd seen this big son of a gun. It's like now we got Roboto. Then I was excited. Roboto. This is. Oh man! Of all the media, I mean, this is probably like that. That to me, that is the coolest moment. Is Roboto? I loved it. I loved it. To become a a a a battle robot, and I just think that's probably. A, a very, the most definitive moment that we've seen from Roboto over the entire span of, of He-Man media, from Golden Books, the formation, that moment there, that is the big ass kick. And here she moment. goes, ready to put down poor Roboto again, and then she sees 
this big hulking son of a gun. It's like, I kept thinking, oh man, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. What is he going to do? Because, you know, I figured, is he just going to have his regular blaster that comes out of his hand? She still comes up to him and starts busting his balls again. <laughs> and you, 2000 X-Men, please explain to me why you like Tila. I'm like, yes, she's hot in this version, but that is it. She's unbearable to be around. Oh, wait, here's uh, the two McFly brothers, if you will. If Marty could have been, you know, double, I mean, George, if he could have been double dumb, because they're just tearing them to pieces. Oh, now we decide. Let's lure them in this cave and get them out. There goes Tyler. Like if Joe was sitting with a bunch of kids, they'd have all jumped him and just beaten him to death. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, just like, this, this joke, I won't shut up already. Yep, so I'm here's the tearing apart. Joe's the kind of guy that's going to come along and tell tell kids like the truth about Santa Claus or something like that with this kind of mentality he's got right now. Santa Claus is real. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's real. So there, he's led him on to that giant thing, and now, okay, to escape. So I figured, okay, now they're going to keep multiplying too, but whatever. But anyway, so then, bam, Cyclone's going to oh, so cool. Watching Cyclone go into his... Uh, it, it was look, it looked so cool. I mean, they, they animated his spinning action just so good in the show. Yep, I'll admit, I like what Triclops did next, how he upgrades them into, like, version 2 when he does that in a yeah. second, because that really made these suckers freakier, as you will see in about a, you know, couple seconds or a minute or whatever. You're going to see it's like, now these things seem scarier, because not saying they weren't intimidating with axes and swords and stuff, but when you have things, as I always say, that are being shot at you, that can make things a little more dire, if you will, especially when you have thousands of them. And as you see coming out, now they're going to be blasting at you, too. It's, it's kind of freaky. So, yeah, I mean, you'll see in a sec. There they go. Bam. They have these blasts yeah. come out. It's like, those are some intimidating things. So it was, I kept wondering the whole time, like, how are they going to stop these things? You know, of course, we'll see later how they do it. But I kept thinking there was going to be a pit. The whole time, I really was expecting He-Man to open the ground and have him get swallowed. I knew Roboto would come and do something, too. But I was wondering, well, what's his part going to be? What's he going to do? So look at that. I mean, just seeing that, it's like massive. You kept thinking, oh, my God. Kind of makes you think of like the Battle of Helm's Deep. And you got all those, or, you know, uh, Yurikai, like, coming towards Helm's Deep. And there's just hordes and hordes and hordes of them. And I, I like I like seeing He Man and Cyclone, do, you know, have a, a great team up because you'd see a lot of you know promotional stuff with them at, back in the eighties, like the two of them teaming up on pajamas and T-shirts and stuff like that, and comic books. And it's cool to see the two of them teaming up, you know, to take on Triclops' army here. It's just really, it's just cool. I, I like because I, I to me He Man and Cyclone seem like a natural duo, like. Yeah, He Man and Man at Arms. Well, I mean, He Man and Cyclone to me just seem like a, a a very natural duo that you would you would see together on on many adventures, like Buzz Off and Mechanic. Yeah. Oh, there they stopped half. The two of them look so cool together. Let's, I mean, look at them standing next to you. They look awesome. Yep. Well, they took care of half that they buried into that one gully. Now they got another half. It's like, okay, you've seen what happened before. You're gonna here we go again. Time to make another thousand. Oh my God, I. Why they just they don't learn, do they? They're, they're what, are you, what are you doing here, Joe? Is that mask I, up the circulation to your brain here? God, it just killed me every time. But, but anyways, here we all right. Now we're gonna start seeing somebody make an appearance here pretty soon, and he should be getting down to business. Of course, there's Tila's trying to see what's happening. Yeah, doing nothing but doing a lot of bitching. 
Well, well, she's, I mean, she's trying to. She's doing nothing, Joe. No matter what your logic is here, the woman is doing nothing. Except standing yeah. around and probably busting another Royal Guard's balls, you know, right now. She's probably getting ready to do it right now. Some of the guards look so skinny. I don't know why. They just look, I don't know, so strange. <laughs> I don't know. They just didn't look, I don't know, I just uh, battle worthy. They look kind of, uh, I don't know, like they needed to eat something. They did look really skinny. I thought that they were, I don't know, skeleton-like. Just kind of weird. Well, Every they're, time they're lean royal guards as opposed to the, like the formation where they, they all kind of share a similar build to like Man-at-Arms and, and He-Man where they're all, they all go to the same gym. Yeah, I love this. Like I said, this is where Roboto was. Right here. Yeah, see, he's showing about how he kept talking about all along. It's all about strategy. It's like chess. It's a game. You got to figure out to take out the one that will take out to win. So obviously he's looking and he's eventually going to see what's causing all of this stuff. And there he sees that that's the reason. It's Triclops and whatever that device is. So see, he's good for something. And of course, he's going to be good for a lot more here. <laughs> He's going to well, be doing something. You'll see. So there we go. Uh, fighting off all these little critters, gremlins, whatever you want to call them. They're so small, but they're trying to take advantage. He-Man's taking them out, but now they're going one way. And where's he at? Roboto's got to be popping up here eventually to come save the day. Oh, wait. Here he is. Now, that's what I like. Roboto shows up here next to He-Man. I'm surprised He-Man didn't question, like, who are you? Because he didn't see Roboto upgrade. He doesn't know that's an upgrade of Roboto. That could have been a whole different robot for for that matter. He never questioned that. I don't know. Do you, do you ever find it strange to stand right there like, hey, oh, hey, how's it going? It's like, who are you? Where'd you come no. from? No. Look at my face. But you know I'm right. He doesn't know who this guy is. He'd never seen Roboto upgrade himself. But now I'd pull a Jim Cornette and I'd just start slapping the hell out of you right now if I was there. Oh, here we I love this part. I love this part. He went all crazy real blast, if you will. Just bam, just shooting guns like crazy. And of course, he's making a thousand of them too. But no, uh, it showed. Is, see, I, Joe, I, I swear, he's, you are ruining this for, for, for viewers and watchers of this episode because you're constantly just you're like picking away the scabs all the time oh, here. It's so good, but there he goes. I mean, he's shooting. He's he's going to town there. He is getting down. Do you really think people are going to care about how many more he's making when Bot is coming out there looking like RoboCop, you know, just blasting yeah. people all over the place? Right. He is. He's getting down. That's a, it, I know. You're right. So it is. They're, oh, making, they're making a bunch more. He's making a bunch more. But, yeah, they got to get that freaking device. That's what I like. He basically – that was like a sacrifice that he did. He knew what he was doing. He's drawing them all to him so then He-Man can go over there to get to Triclops and take care of that device. So Roboto is right now, for those who maybe didn't watch or will eventually watch, yeah, Roboto just got taken down by those thousands of little skeleton warriors that jumped him. So now it's He-Man and Triclops. And it's, it's pretty cool. I like seeing Triclops Lee start using his eye blaster again to head those gigantic fireballs. Yeah, things where you, you, know, you, you, you expect to see that and – and it almost seemed like a natural thing when they when they did this show is to have Triclops fire optic blasts out of his eyes, out of his yeah. three eyes, three different yeah. types on top of the uh, the sword sword fighting skills that that he has. Yeah, but I liked it. I like seeing the fireballs because they for some reason at certain angles look so massive, you know. But and so well, and here's Battle Cat coming in to help, knocks him down. Bam! They get that, and the, there you go. He's gonna get the device. And that's the only way to stop these suckers. So see Battlecat snatch that thing out of his hand. 
and with a crush, boom, they're done. So there's the threat, I guess, uh, taken care of. So I don't know what they're going to do. All play the up on Joe's constant logic problem. What if crushing that didn't do anything? Just stop them from upgrading. Like it didn't actually shut them down. Yeah, you, it's it's like you know, punching the elevator and assuming it's going to shut down the elevator, do whatever you ask it to do. But imagine crushing that, and the army still keeps coming. Like that was the only that, way to shut off was the controller, like punching, like to turn it off. Wouldn't that be a backfire? But of course, then I was thinking yeah. too, it's like, oh no, he crushed that one. But what's stop Triclops from just making another one of those remote control things? Whatever. But uh, I went pick on. So there you go. Skeletor's taking away Triclops yeah. in that vehicle that's probably the one thing I don't think I ever bought uh, from the, the pterodactyl. Yeah, I remember buying it the first time I saw it. I mean, immediately. Like, I, anytime, anytime I saw any of the toys. I just didn't like that I didn't like that vehicle. Well, I mean, it's oh, definitely un, it's an uninspiring vehicle compared to like Roton and Landshark. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Now Tila's feeling sympathy. It takes Roboto getting ripped to pieces for her to feel bad now, huh? Yeah, someone's got to die for you to have any emotion, woman. Yeah, poor thing. I guess he did have his RoboCop moment. Well, of course, RoboCop was ripped to pieces before he became RoboCop, but you know what I mean. But of course, he, yeah. well, he got shredded up. Wait, we're looking, looking at RoboCop, too. Yeah, Kane and his group tore him to pieces. That, that's what happened here. Uh, Triclops yeah. was Kane, and his robots was a little brat kid who cusses all the time, and you know they, they just tore uh, Robocop apart here. Oh, now look at now she's poor thing, feeling so bad. Uh, that's it's terrible. You shouldn't have somebody be so mean through the episode, almost like how I've been through this episode, but it's just been joking. But Joe's uh, been the healer of this episode. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. He's back, and he's upgraded even more. So that's pretty cool. You get to see Roboto back. And is he going to hug her and crush her, or is he doesn't give her a hug? He's going to backhand her. No, so, yeah, you get to see him with this cool upgrade. And I, I think, oh, oh, now we're going back to Snake Mountain. And you know how I was talking about, hey, why don't you just <clears throat> put one of those devices, and you can just do them all again. Well, we can maybe see something like that here in a second. That makes you wonder if Panther is really soft, like when, when Skeletor's petting him. Like, does Skeletor, like, like petting Panther? Because, like, Panther, your head is so soft, you know? Like, he just likes to sit there and just... Rub his hair and play it. Probably play with his big ears. Uh huh. There you go. So he, Triclops kind of yeah. I think Skeletor got the gist of maybe Triclops had some plans that he was going to do when he created those skeleton warriors that maybe he would have tried to. Well, there you go. So what Skeletor got <laughs> those devices and stuff. Bam! He brings up the creature. So there you go. The threat could just keep going on and on forever. Which, you know, I, I'm sure because Skeletor is the Lord of the Destruction, he probably would lock Triclops in the throne room and have Triclops just struggle for probably a few hours going through the repetitive motion just to shut it off and say, look, this works, but I call the shots around her. I'm in charge of the grand scheme and plans. Don't ever do this again without my authority. There you go. And, of course, it ends with a nice moral from uh, Cyclone. And I'm not dropping names. We cannot drop names because I said I wouldn't do that. But there was, um, speaking of Cyclone there and with his radar, I'll just uh, transition into a quick little story that I posted. I posted that I spoke with this young woman this week, and she went to a comic convention. And she told me about her finds at this comic convention. And she said she got the the butterfly girl from She-Ra as for a vintage one. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, are you talking about Flutterina? And she said, no, the, uh, maybe the B one. I was like, oh, sweet B. She said, yeah. I said, oh, okay. I was like, what else she get? 
And then she said, oh, I got um, a She-Ra bed sheet. She said, I got Bumblebee. I was like, oh, you got a Transformer? She said, no, Bumblebee from He-Man. I was like, you talking about Buzz Off? She's like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, God, yeah, some, some fan you are. So I was hassling her. She was cracking up. But then she tried to redeem herself. And by redeeming herself led to the funniest eye. We lost it. She said, but I did get Stratos. She said, and he was all complete. And she had that, uh, I mean, he had that, uh, that GPS thing on his chest. I said, what? I said, are you talking about Cyclone with his radar? <laughs> and she just started losing it because she knew what she said was wrong. But, oh, my God, I lost it. I said, okay, now I'm going to have to you every time. The Stratos has the GPS on his chest. I was like, oh. So that was just an insane story. It it killed me. She's a fan. She loves He-Man and she but she fumbled up a couple names, and that one was a doozy. So now when I see... Were you wearing a mask when you were doing this flirtatious... Yes, um, I was. Pulling an Antonio Banderas uh, yes. routine with, with this young lady so, here. Yes, I was doing my best version of a Zorro. But no, the, so now anytime I see Cyclone, I'm going to think of Stratos with the GPS on the chest. So, uh, but, but that was a, that was a great episode. That was a fantastic episode. I know yeah, it was it, a little hard it's, time. It's one of the best of the MYP series. I, I would probably even put it in my top five. Yeah, um, because so I, I love how Roboto and Cyclone are portrayed in so much. And Triclops being the, the villain of the show gives it an extra boost. Yes. Um, I, don't, I don't think we, we may have done like a, a, a top of the MYP uh, series. We may have to do like a like a top three, top five of the MYP series at some point. You know, I, I, I think we did that with Filmation a while back, but I don't I don't think we ever did it with MYP. I, mean, no. I don't think we ever did it with She-Ra either. Um, we we I don't, like our, our, we'll our to, top three or top five episodes from, from each of those. Uh, we'll we've ranked the series. We've discussed them in multiple uh, times, but I, I don't think we've ever done them. We'll do our tops. We haven't done our tops. You know, have to do like a top, a top five or a top three because I, I almost feel like maybe we'd have to go back and do like a top five of the, of the He-Man formation as well because I don't know if we've ever – I know we did before we did like a top three mini comic and I think we did a top three episode, but I think like with everything else, we, with you and I, we can upgrade everything. <laughs> right. We'll get to make it, it and, and, and redo it, but definitely need to do a, a top five, uh, MYP. I, a Roboto's Gambit would be my top five. All right. We'll, we'll do our tops. Definitely. We'll get to those, but before we get to your, uh, you know, recommendations or anything else, I guess we'll pass it to dirt in case he has any PowerPoint takeaways. Take away from the show. Yeah, we, we do definitely have some things that we learned tonight from uh, from you guys. This is uh, golden stuff here. Uh, let's see. First up, without box art, kids don't know how to play with toys. That's what we learned. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see. We learned that when Tyler talks about Joe flirting, Joe's face gets red under his red face. <laughs> um, uh, and finally, uh, we now owe $43.27 in royalties to Jerry Seinfeld. So yeah, keep that in mind as you run with those references. I'm, per- I, I, I'm perfectly fine to give that man as much money as he wants for me. He's given me years and years of laughs, so it's the least I could do for the man. I, All right, back to you guys. All right, thank you. Right. Um, let's see. My recommendation for this week, gosh, um, what if we stick along the line of, of MYP here? That's probably what I'll do. Um, I really like and not to piss joe off but he's going to be pissed off anyway so i guess now that i know he's going to be pissed off i'm going to recommend this one especially is orco's garden 
from MYP. And uh, because I love Mossman's upgrade in this episode, and I love Evil Seed's portrayal. Not that it upstages Filmation. I hold Filmation and MYP Evil Seeds on the same level. So, but I, I thought it was a great interpretation of both of those characters. Um, and it was fun to see what Evil, and it seemed like a natural rivalry to establish between Mossman and Evil Seed. I do like Mossman and Stinkor as a, as a rivalry as well. Rivalry as well. Excuse me, jeez. But um, Orko's Garden, if you are, I'd like to think that I'm sure a lot of listeners have probably seen most of the NYP series. But if you're you're coming back to the fold as we as you could with any episode, listen to Fans of Power. I, I, and Orko's Garden is available on YouTube to watch on DVD. Not hard to find. Just do a Google search. You can probably find it on Daily Motion as well. So uh, Mossman's kicks ass in it, uh, and Evil Seed kicks ass in it. So that that's my recommendation for this week. Stay in. In in uh, in uh, tune with uh, Roboto's Gambit. No, it was a good episode. I, I I mean, everybody knows I'm not really a fan of the anime type Evil Seed. I felt like I. Well, I don't like anime. Period. But I, I didn't feel like Evil Seed's interpretation was very anime inspired, though. Me, I don't like anime inspired. It. But yeah, King Randall doing backflips to the air with the fast lines of intensity behind King Randall when I just stop no, does back. Like I've so, seen that kind of demon look before. I mean it's still cool, but it just definitely was it as original as the filmation evil see? No. But yes, was he more intimidating you know appearing? Sure he was, but eh, I just wasn't a fan of the redesign. But still it was a fantastic episode of Oracle's Garden. It was. So well, okay, as for me, well, it's just time to do the closing things. It's time to say, go to fansofpower.com, go to popculturenetwork.com, go to hemanworld.com, and on Facebook, go to Masters of the Universe, He-Man and She-Ra Ultimate Fan Group. All great places, all great people. So until next time, have a powerful day. Where are you going? Hey, back to the birds, baby. Great show.